0: Welcome to this week's podcast of the Sen Institute. Today, my guest is Chris Forbes, a church planting strategist and demographer for the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. Now, usually our podcast features missiologists or church planting leaders who look at church planting on a national scale. And while that's helpful in understanding the large trends we're seeing in North America, it's actually the local strategists that are helping to give a grounding or a real response to these trends. So, in today's episode, I talk to Chris, who's a church winning strategist, about their most recent research project called The Hidden Harvest. Discovering Oklahoma's Unchurched. And Chris helps us to see that the spiritual narrative of America's buckle of the Bible belt is changing. Uh, you know, most people think of states like Oklahoma as reached and overchurched, but studies like Chris's are showing that the rate of religious disaffiliation and unbelief matches national trends. Uh, part of that has to do with the amount of migration to the Sun Belt states from non-Southern and non-Midwestern states. Part of that has to do with the decline of rural churches, but states like Oklahoma and the Sunbelt states are experiencing the same kinds of disaffiliation and and decline of churches that we're seeing all over uh, nationally. Uh, Stay tuned to the back end of the episode where I reflect a little bit more on our conversation uh, and the need to shift our thinking around denominational leadership in light of these studies. Uh, But before we do that, let's listen into my conversation with Chris. Well, Chris, uh, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast. Would you mind giving us a little bit of background on who you are and then how you got involved in missions?
1: Okay. Um, I work at the Oklahoma Baptist, uh, the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. I'm in the church planting group. Uh, I am the demographics and kind of the media guy. I put together all the, the outreach and marketing in our area, we have uh, different areas in our process. Mm-hmm. We have discovery, uh, assess, train, coach, care, and multiply. I focus more on the uh, discovery part, so I do uh, demographics and community exegesis here in Oklahoma, and uh, continually trying to identify new planters and places to plant. So,
0: yeah, well, wow. so I mean, kind of really devoted towards the the early process of telling the story, telling the need, and then finding planters. Uh, you, you you, guys were involved in a really cool project. Uh, uh, it was a Netflix documentary, at least when I saw it. It was a Netflix documentary called Where Was God that I think was launched uh, back in 2014. So before we talk about research, church planting, all those cool things, uh, share a little bit about that documentary that you helped produce. Why did you guys do it, and what was it about?
1: Okay. Uh, actually, uh, that documentary was something I did before I worked here. I've been here about a year and a half. So, um, I was, um, I've been a media communications person. Uh, um, a media missionary is really kind of how I view myself. Huh. Yeah. Uh, served overseas in media as a missionary and, uh, so a uh, tornado hit uh, an elementary school here in Oklahoma City, and I thought, you know, there's a story here that we could tell
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, about how do you pick up your life spiritually after you face such a disaster? And what's that look like once, you know, the houses can be rebuilt and, um, you, know, you know, once the insurance companies and the reporters are all gone, you're left there to put back your pieces uh, you know, and if you've lost a child, you've lost a, a lot of things. So we did this uh, film telling, following these families that really centered around <coughs> pretty much one, uh, the, the classroom where one young uh, elementary school boy passed away. <coughs> so we have his family and the friends, and we just kind of follow all of them. Everybody not only had that crisis to deal with but before that they had their own life storms. Mm. So if you watch the film it's not really the tornado is the metaphor for the storms of life. Yeah. yeah. And we all whether it be a physical storm, emotional divorce or a you know financial storm, we all face those in life and uh, God shows up and that's
0: Yeah, well so that. when you produced it I mean uh, I'm, I'm thinking, like, what was the, was this for an evangelistic purpose? I mean, what was the motivational factor behind that?
1: Our goal, uh, one, uh, in Moore, Oklahoma, it was May 20th, 2013. Um, in Moore, Oklahoma, the, the, the tornado hit a lot of homes in, in the elementary school and it actually hit the, the theater there, which is a very large theater called the Warren.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: we thought what, how poetic it would be to open our film at the Warren wow. and use this film as, like, the disaster relief people have come, uh, the uh, psychologists have come, but what's the spiritual disaster relief? How do you help people unpack all that in a community? So our goal was just to premiere that film in the theater that was actually part of, played a role. They actually did triage for victims in the lobby of that hotel of that uh theater wow. Wow. so um our main goal was if we could just get it on that screen and minister to the community and uh, the lord provided we were able to do that uh th- we did take it to some other screens we took it to i think in oklahoma we and surrounding areas i don't know 80 or so mm-hmm. and then we went to Um, dvd and uh uh, you know and uh online we were on netflix for a couple of years and we're still available like if you want to see it on amazon okay
0: and it was called it's called where was god
1: yes where was god stories of hope after the storm yeah man that's
0: that's fantastic thanks for sharing that so i encourage you guys to check that out where was god uh, and uh, see how how you can use uh, large media platforms to, to really share uh, the gospel and to to talk about spiritual realities.
1: Uh, and Chris, I, may, I may actually made that film with a church uh, planter of all like of all the things you have to do when you're a young church. Yeah, is to uh, also make this film. And so uh, a friend of mine, Stephen Earp, and I oh, produced right. this film together with some with uh, with another guy named Brian Cates. Um, and you know, he's always talking about church planting and I mean, he eats free, he's like a living, breathing yeah. church planting guy. So, uh, really increased my interest in church planting and I owe a lot to, uh, in Oklahoma, we owe a lot to, you know, his influence there. Yeah, He's incredible. He's yeah. incredible. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Well, Hey, I, I, I typically, whenever, uh, we uh, have guests in our podcast, uh, we're, we're looking at, uh, Leaders uh, and missiologists who kind of look at North America as a whole and, and study large trends, and but I thought it would be neat and really interesting to to have you on here because uh, you're you, you look at uh, Oklahoma, one state, and um, and I think that's really important too because when we talk about church planting strategies, you really can't have like one continental strategy. It really has to break down to. Uh, smaller units and smaller regions. And um, so, um, and I don't think people realize the growth of Oklahoma, uh, not in the diversity of Oklahoma. Um, and so, can you help us understand, um, you know, where Oklahoma is today in 2018, demographically, size wise, uh, and help us understand a little bit more about the context that you developed research out of?
1: Sure. Um, Oklahoma is a state of, of 4 million people. So, a lot of the folks you see at the leadership forum or church planning groups they have uh, a lot larger groups to work with um we have uh, about half of our population lives in the metro areas uh Oklahoma city and tulsa and a couple of the larger other cities but you know a large city you know we're talking a million you know mm-hmm. around here so a million and a half something like that so um what we what we uh, have is um, uh, a lot of uh, people moving in. Like Oklahoma is known for, you know, the the book uh, Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath. Everybody migrating to California.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We've probably brought uh, received more Californians <laughs> back to Oklahoma than actually ever left. That left, yeah. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, of uh, innovative things that the uh, government has done to attract businesses by improving the quality of life. We have a kind of a urban core that's become very gentrified. And um, so a lot of companies and people have started to relocate here. And mm-hmm. They like the lifestyle. Yeah. So uh, we have people from all over the world. Uh, and, and plus we have like I don't know, 30 or 40 Native American tribes that mm-hmm. are you know, here as well. So and, a lot of cultural diversity.
0: And I noticed that on BGCO's website, is you, you have a strategic Native American ministry that, that you all...
1: Um, yeah, have. one of the few places, I think the only place that has a full-time uh, group devoted to Native Americans inside, the, inside of the United States. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Emerson Falls and uh, Ben Little uh, both work with Native American people, both tribalized and non-tribalized mm-hmm. people.
0: Now, you recently uh, researched uh, or released a, a report called uh, "Hidden Harvest: Discovering mm-hmm. Oklahoma's Unchurched." Uh, can you explain, you know, what went behind the the process of developing that research project?
1: So, as an AMB missionary, you know, or a foreign missionary, you know, you have to start with learning. So, you learn the language, you learn the culture, you learn uh, things, and then, then you start ministering. In America context, we have, we start too much with programming. Mm. Uh, and so I, have always had a bent toward the research part and, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks like to pick up a book by, by Ed Stetzer or, um, you know, Rayner or, um, uh, Barna mm-hmm. and, um, kind of take and extrapolate what the nationals research says and, uh, kind of apply it to their location, you know, where they serve. So if they're in, you know, California or. Texas or whatever. So um, really doing research is kind of in my background. So what I like to do is like to take and create a very similar research project to the books that are already popular that they're reading Mm -hmm. and then uh, give them something so they can compare. So it's not a competition with the book. So it's a piece that deepens their understanding and appreciation for the book by, say, Stetzer or Barnard, or et cetera.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so you're, uh, in some ways you're, you're kind of giving a localized version of some of the themes that they're looking at.
1: Well, now, from a, a church planning leadership standpoint, the why I do that is uh, I have the only book about the unchurched in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that creates an opportunity for, to me, in Oklahoma, we have a lot of, uh, you know, we have need for church planting. There's always going to be attrition. There's always going to be population change. We grow 4% in the state. Our Metro areas are growing at 8%. We need new churches to meet those needs. We have churches that kind of are, you know, in that life cycle where they're, they're dying out. Their communities are transitioning. They're not adapting, et cetera. Things that people see all the time.
3: Yeah.
1: So, um, we have to constantly uh, work with that um, perception that there isn't a need for churches. You know, there's a church on every corner. So uh, what I do is I analyze the church health indicators.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I analyze the population growth indicators. And I, I want to be able to get to pastors. And those that kind of information is just not appealing, you know, hey, come listen to how bad we're doing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, come listen to how far we're falling behind. Uh, and so by taking this research, I can go and say, here's how you can reach and understand the people that are unchurched. And it gives me the opportunity to help a church that needs to transition their mindset Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they can become more effective and potentially revitalize and it also gives me an opportunity to say there are ways like new church starts are far more efficient at accommodating new people than an older church that's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, historic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not an either or then it's a both and, you know, we can we can do these things together. Yeah.
0: So with this with this report, I mean, you looked specifically at unchurched uh, people in Oklahoma. Uh, what were the what were the results? Uh, what were the big themes or the big uh, findings that you 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 had coming out of the uh, the survey that you based the research on?
1: Okay, so it's a scientific sample survey. We use uh, as if Barna or anybody were to do a study here, they would probably use the same folks that we did for our sampling or similar. Um, well, and so uh, I can I can project plus or minus three percent on uh, on some of the, the the data that we have. And one of the things that we found: uh, uh, how many people actually go to church? You know, people say, "Well, you know, the buckle the Bible belt." It's Oklahoma; everybody goes to church. There's a church on every corner. Yes, there, there's an emptying out church mm. on every corner. Mm-hmm. The churches are declined by two and three percent. Um, about 40% of our state are churched, meaning that they are active in church more than twice a year, you know, and, you know, so probably I would estimate about 25 to 30% are on any given Sunday in church. And if you were in New York City, you'd be like, oh, well, that's exit strategy. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, right. Hey, well, let me tell you, t- uh, New York, this is where a lot of your church planners come from. They come from places like Oklahoma that uh, yeah. uh, have a church culture. And so uh, we can be a lab for a lot of church planners. And, and, you know, when they come to you and they come your way, this won't be their first church plant. It will be
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, their second or third.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We found that about 30, 31 percent are de church. They have a theological similarity to Christianity. They, they may be Christians themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not be. But they, if you talk to them about faith in God, they're going to give you the right answers. They're going to give you, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, yeah. Rose and, you know, and all that. About twenty-three percent of the church of the uh, Oklahoma are the uh, we call nuns, the unaffiliated.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And so, um, pastors and ministry leaders, there's all kinds of books about the nuns, and you know, there's all kinds of resources <coughs> about reaching millennials. Uh, that are, you know, unaffiliated, we found that 44% of the none category were millennial. Well, wow. So even in Oklahoma, the national trends toward, uh, you know, being unaffiliated are present. So,
0: uh, so mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say is that uh, the, your uh, Oklahoma population uh, Twenty-three percent of Oklahomans are would classify themselves as nuns. I mean that that matches national numbers. Yep. Uh, And then when you're looking at millennials, that's forty-four percent. Which I I don't know the national numbers for millennials, but I would imagine probably close or man that may be even higher than than what we're seeing nationally. Yeah. And this is you know because the perception is that Oklahoma is a part of the buckle belt, buckle of the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, cause there are large churches there and there's yeah, actually great schools, you know, Christian schools there as well. Uh, but that perception still exists that, uh, it's a very, you know, churched, uh, state, but I mean, in terms of affiliation and in terms of the unchurched, um, uh, I mean, these numbers are, are on par with national numbers
1: so that that helps me make the case for the need for church planting still mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there are a large fraction of our, our population that are unreached so the other, the other thing is that um when people talk about uh generations everybody wants to reach millennials you know and so uh, uh i broke we did a sample enough sample so that we could segregate the reporting for uh baby boomer gen x and millennials
2: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, we can contrast where they are spiritually and you can actually see a decline in strong belief in god you can see a decline in affiliating identifying themselves as christians
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, and then we also see some cultural differences between millennials and boomers and uh, so uh, in our book (coughs) uh, we also have a section that talks about and creates a profile for what a What a baby boomer looks like, what a Gen Xer looks like, and what a millennial looks like to help with ministry planning because it's not the same. So, if you're a pastor, you're going to have millennials or you're praying to have millennials. What would you change Mm -hmm. to reach them? So, I can talk about that for you know an hour if I need to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, so, anytime I can get in front of pastors and talk about church planting, I, I see that as a win. For for me as a you know in, in my role as uh, trying to discover new new planters because you can't plant without partners so uh, there's also um, cultivating the existing churches to be partners in planting yeah uh, <clears throat> if a church gets involved in church planting in Oklahoma the likelihood that they'll also be a church planting sponsor over in another part of the country. And the the likelihood that they'll be involved with international missions is higher too. So it works for missions in general.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Now, I mean, I I was just commenting earlier uh, before we did the podcast uh, that, I mean, the physical copy of it is very sharp and your digital version is also um, very sharp. So I mean, the quality of it is, is great. I mean, you obviously value media, you value uh, quality research. Um, how, how does that play into uh, recruiting, telling the story of church planting? I mean, because that's your background. You were a media guy, uh, and so you pay attention to this kind of stuff. Um, how, how do you think other organizations uh, can invest in this kind of research and this quality of research?
1: You know, I've done I've done research before. It's not the first time. I've actually worked at the BGCO, the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, ten years ago, and then I went out to, as a media consultant. And then I've decided to, you know, Lord called me back here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, uh, uh, and in the past, I would re- I would release white papers, or I I put it on a CD and give out the CD. Mm-hmm. You don't get the quite the traction you get if you make it a a book. Because, you know, and, and like people ask me to sign it. I'm like, I don't want to sign this as a report. <laughs> you know, I don't sign the report. But, uh, but because that, that format speaks to a lot of our pastors. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, having it endorsed by, <coughs> by leaders like yourself also doesn't hurt. Uh, I make it available as an e-book. <coughs> so you can, you can download it at oklahomachurchplanting.com. Just mm-hmm. for free
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that puts emails in my prospect list. yeah um,
0: if if you were I mean if if other uh, state strategists uh, or other people who are overseeing church planning in regions wanted to do a similar project, uh, is there a template or a protocol that you can offer them or uh, some kind of um, um, advice how they can do something similar?
1: Uh, I could work with them and help them get in the right direction, but uh, it's essentially these are, this is basically, I'm not, uh, I'm taking the same kinds of questions mm-hmm. that my people are interested in, my target audience, and asking the unchurched. Yeah. And then I'm reporting it. So you want to use proper methodology for research. Mm-hmm.
0: So this isn't something that's specific to Oklahoma, I guess, is what I'm asking. Like, it's repeatable in other environments.
1: Oh, absolutely. This is um, the idea. Of, like, I'd be happy to share with the, the survey questions we had. But, you you know, designing your own survey might look differently. I wanted to understand more about the cultural changes and the shifts that are going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I included uh, questions from the culture test. So if you go to theculturetest.com. You can take the test yourself. That test will tell you whether your uh, cultural orientation is more, uh, guilt, innocence, shame, honor, or fear power. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, and by including those questions in my survey, that gives me the opportunity to look at the cultural differences between the generations. Yeah. And I see, um, I see a lot of ministry applications for evangelism. I see a lot of ministry applications for uh, church planting. And some of the, and it also reveals like why our churches, some of our new churches, are uh, flagging in evangelism. Uh, you know, they're targeting a younger generation. And the, uh, the, the way people respond uh, is not to the guilt innocence present, gospel presentation for spiritual laws. Mm-hmm you know, laws, you know, it's literally legal frame, uh, word, uh, phraseology we use. Yeah. Yeah. The gospel, you know, and then we do have a lot of young people who are enamored by maybe a certain French lawyer Yeah. <laughs> who created yeah. a systematic theology. And so there is a, a, a heavy leaning toward in Western culture toward, uh, the guilt, innocence, but what the research is showing is that people, because of the influence of social media, I think it was, it was Andy Crouch wrote an article about mm-hmm. social media and shame, fame, culture.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and the influence of, of uh, just general things that are happening in the culture, uh, there is an emerging new kind of a cultural paradigm among millennials and younger Towards shame, honor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, and no one has, you know, we just started recently talking about that in the United States, in terms of, you know, with church planting. But it's been something that missionaries have talked about for a long time. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You go to Asia, you go to the Middle East, you know that that exists.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I wonder if some of that is uh, the um, the almost intrinsic uh, European. Uh, nature of of how we've developed our theology. It's very, you know, like you were saying, a lot of our theology was kind of developed out of a, you know, French, German, uh, Ural uh, mindset.
1: Individualistic. Have you yeah. have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Mm. You know, did you, you know? So um, yes, uh, there is a uh, there is a personal responsibility to respond to Christ in the gospel, and we all need to. But in a culture that's changing. Uh, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is, oh, you have your personal Jesus. I got my personal Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's also that influence of like how, how uh, ideas, like you remember like some time ago, someone had the audacity to uh, endorse the historical view of marriage in a side conversation in a podcast,
2: mm.
1: you know, and then uh, and they happen to own Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm,
1: so mm-hmm. that got out. And the goal then became in culture to shame, I mean, just pulverize and kind of yeah. like who didn't believe in traditional marriage. saw it was their job to go uh, put graffiti on Chick fil A restaurants, drive through the drive through, tell people that they were they were haters and hate mongers, and over that that whole onslaught came against our uh, you know traditional Christian marriage values. They were just uh, you know, somehow symbolized by chicken sandwiches mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> of mm-hmm. all things. Well, that force, the brute force of that is exerted every day on the college campus. Yeah. Yeah. And every day in the young adult community. So, uh, so, uh, in our survey, we found that millennials and younger were more, uh, likely to believe that their choices about morality should be based on community expectations mm-hmm. rather than the individualistic concept of right and wrong yeah, yeah. so um in the millennial and younger uh, world there's a fast track to social ex- being socially accepted
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: there's a there's a fast track you come out with something and automatically you're a hero and you're brave and you've stood up, you know, and anybody who comes against you is a bully and a hater and a, 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 some kind of phobe, you know, whatever phobia. So um, what uh, what what's happened, though, is so that's very it reminded me I was in the international. I worked with international students when I was uh, in college and then I was uh, on staff of a Chinese church and I could see this kind of a uh, shame on our culture on display and like learn and like not saying that I've mastered it, but I've learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I know that in a, say in the Chinese church, or working with Pakistanis. I've, I've worked with Iranians. The on-ramp to Christianity is a lot longer.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there's a lot of more uh, testing the waters of the community, learning about the community. Is this a place that I can come and be safe? Now Contrast that to what millennials—they're looking for that safe place to be, where they can belong, and you know—and so um, the church has a unique opportunity through small groups that are open to let people belong. Uh, It's kind of a belong, behave, believe Mm -hmm. kind of format Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that—that is. That's kind of where I think things are going, and why church, what church planners need to be thinking more about. Like it's more of a long burn. Yeah. Than just like, you know, you do a gospel presentation or you do a public invitation, and people walk down the front.
0: Yeah, and and not that we need to import uh, foreign mission strategies uh, necessarily in North America, but the reality is that in in environments that you're talking about, China, Pakistan, other other places, uh, and I've you know I've I've been in those places uh, myself. Uh, that it is much more communal in the way that people begin to integrate into um, you know a, a, a gospel community you know and, and, and it's, yeah. it's less about um, a, a uh, crisis moment. although there are crisis moments but it's less about that and it uh, missionaries and their strategies they tend to create that belonging I, I environment.
1: Think- I, I think I think what you, it's not that you need to adopt the foreign strategy or like the idea of the the culture like you know Chinese are not I, mm-hmm. I mean uh, millennials are not like adopting Asian culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right uh, but if you can learn from it sort of that's, sort of, sort of the research that I do I like I don't want to change vocabulary and like southern baptize it I want it to be okay we're talking about shame honor okay I've got a little bit of information but start digging in that area you'll probably find a useful understanding that will help but it has to be contextualized to north america yeah absolutely. Uh, and same for these other research i don't change that you know i don't call them the, something else besides the nun yeah you know just so i can sound creative i want them to go follow those resources down yeah. and learn that whole framework and yeah. then apply it in their context
0: yeah no that's 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 good well, Chris, um, I want to end our podcast with giving you a chance to really share one thing that you think is absolutely essential for leading church planning uh, into the future. If you could sit in front of a room uh, of church planning leaders and just say, this is the one thing that we need to focus on, at least for the next little while, uh, what do you think that would be?
1: Well, I think that the idea of thinking like a missionary and uh, looking at those uh, resources that are available around the world that have have been effective in different contexts we live in a global culture now, and uh, you know, if you live in Buffalo, Oklahoma, or Montreal, it's the same internet. We need to start thinking more like missionary uh, leaders and not just uh, denominational administrators. Chris's final challenge to
0: us to think like a missionary and not like a denominational administrator is key because as you think back about the, the recent history of church planting in North America, the last 48 years was the Gen Xers who really jump-started entrepreneurial church planting. And this is a cohort of a generation who were working against the denominational powers in a lot of cases, not all cases, but in a lot of cases, uh, the baby boomer uh, generation that were uh, maintaining, administrating their denominations And so the Gen Xers come out and they plant their own churches and they start their own networks. And you see this boom of church planting over the last 40 years. And that just isn't the reality today in 2018. And so that cohort of Gen X planters, that cohort of Gen X leaders and network leaders are now uh, mentoring millennial church planters. And yet there isn't that denominational structure anymore that these future planters are, are responding to. So the question for our denominational leadership today is a similar one to the ones that we had 40, 50 years ago, is how do we mobilize people to missions, not for the sake of the maintenance of your denominational brand, but how do you think more like a missionary organization? How do you think more of a collaborative network in order to reach more people uh, in North America with the gospel of Jesus? That's a, a, a different mindset. How do denominational organizations make that shift from being an administrative agency to becoming a missionary hub? Can you do me a favor? Can you subscribe to our podcast, let others know about it. You can also share this episode on Twitter and Facebook. Just tell people about it. And if you have any questions or comments, go to sendinstitute.org. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.